Welcome to OpenSAP Invites, your invitation to learn with us on the go. Welcome to OpenSAP Invites. I'm your host, Robert Nichols. In an earlier OpenSAP Invites episode, I hosted a discussion on human experience management with Dr. Stephen Hunt. In this episode, I'm going to continue the discussion of human experience management, or HXM, with two additional experts, Emily Wilson and Dr. Benjamin Granger. Emily and Ben will give us their perspective on what is HXM. They'll discuss the importance of listening to employees for organizations to adapt and thrive, and what it means to design, shape, and manage the employee experience by adopting an HXM mindset. Emily Wilson is the leader of solution marketing for cross-portfolio solutions at SAP SuccessFactors. Her focus is on helping SAP SuccessFactors customers measure and optimize employee experiences in order to reduce attrition and increase employee engagement. Dr. Benjamin Granger is an XM catalyst within Qualtrics XM Institute. He has over a decade of experience building, running, and optimizing employee experience measurement and management programs across the globe. Hello, Emily. Hello, Ben. Welcome to Open SAP Invites. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Rob. So to, to kick us off, uh, I want to give our audience a sense of what's on your mind these days. I want to ask both of you to name two hashtags that best represent your state of mind as we head into the winter of 2020. Ben, you want to <laughs> go first? Yeah, that that one. That's a good one. Um, uh, hashtag what next? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the first that comes to mind. But but also hashtag hopeful. Uh, you mentioned what's next. I, I always do a, a running joke with with our family. We always talk about it. So 2020, whenever I see some news about, I don't know, poisonous caterpillars, uh, murder hornets, um, you know, just something crazy going on this year. And it's like, oh, it just so fits into the year of 2020. So I know what you mean by what's next. What makes you hopeful? Can it get any worse, Rob? <laughs> that makes me hopeful. <laughs> There's nowhere to yes. go but up from here. I agree. I agree. How about you, Emily? Two hashtags? Uh, that's a good question for sure. I think probably one would have to be something like can't wait to travel because, um, you know, being kind of locked down for quite some time, I'm really missing um, just getting out in the world and, and seeing people. But I do have to say maybe my other one would be something like hashtag community because I know we talk a lot about social distancing in these days, but yeah. I actually am physically distanced from everyone. But I find that I have a lot of Zooms with friends and family that I maybe wasn't talking to um, as often when we were busy and out and about. So those would be mine. Yeah, those are good. If I were to name two for myself, kind of along the same themes, one would be hashtag appreciative. I find that my appreciation for the good things in life is um, amp amplified so much more now. You know, whether whether it's things just, you know, enjoying family, friends, experiences, that appreciation for all those things. A hundred times more <laughs> appreciative these days. Um, and then I guess kind of along the same lines you were saying, Ben, uh, the second hashtag for me would be optimistic. You know, it just can't get any worse from here. You know, 2020 has been a tough year, no doubt about it. And I want to believe things, you know, we're going to begin to turn for the better in 2021. All right. So enough with the heavy stuff. Let's now talk about HXM. Uh, we recently ran an open SAP course on human experience management, which the two of you both participated in as expert instructors. Ben, you covered topics on the discipline of experience management and understanding the employee experience. 
And Emily, you explained the idea of adopting an H, excuse me, an HXM mindset. Before we get into some of those details, Emily, I would like to begin by asking you, what is human experience management? Well, that's a great, actually, uh, beginning question, just to sort of set the stage for this podcast. So HXM, or human experience management, is really the evolution of HCM, human capital management. Um, You know, within HR, we often talk about the moments that matter and things like performance reviews and development plans and training. Those are all things that show up sort of on an HR timeline, um, and they're top of mind for HR. But when we think about the things that affect employees so much? Are those the moments? Do you think back to something at work and think like when you took that training or when you created your development plan? Um, I think, you know, if you think about the moments that have really mattered in your career, they're probably things like when you were passed over for a promotion and all of the feelings that came along with that. Or maybe you worked on a really large project that made you feel really burned out. Um, Maybe you were working on a team and you weren't really connected with them. Maybe you were managing an underperformer. All of these things in your work life impact your overall employee experience. Um, And not just the HR events, right? So experiences are really dynamic. And so at SAP Success Factors, you know, we feel like we need to move from saying, okay, these are the needs of the organization at the center of HR. We think that the employee's experience needs to be at the center. And so whenever we're talking about HXM, we're talking about moving away from just kind of facilitating those HR transactions, like I have to take a day off, I have to complete my performance review, and actually reinventing employee experiences in ways that are going to impact the organization. This isn't all about be touchy-feely, you know, kind and and gentle with your employees. It's about really helping them to be engaged and be productive and have a positive employee experience so that they can help your business grow. And so this is what we define as HXM. It's really the evolution of HCM. And, you know, in everything that we do, we look at creating individualized, dynamic experiences. And that goes for, you know, candidates and new hires, employees, managers, HR leaders. It affects everyone. But companies will still have HR processes, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, those core HR processes, recruiting, onboarding, ongoing training, performance management, talent management, the processes around that are are most certainly not going anywhere. Uh, But that lens, it's a different lens that we can look at it as an HR and as a business profession. If we often think of it as maybe a moment that matters or a touch point, you know, like the recruiting process, is that a touch point? We could think of it that way, but it's also a person who's applying for a job with our company so that they can feed and support their family. When we look at it differently, we design those experiences differently. We design them partially for the touchy-feely stuff that Emily referenced, but when we do it that way, we actually make people more effective in their job. And I think it's also worth noting that we've been doing a lot of research on the importance of the employee experience, certainly before COVID, but during the pandemic, right, the heart of the pandemic, what was interesting to me is that from the organization standpoints and from employees' standpoints, employee experience is actually increasing in importance right now in 2020. Frankly, I would have thought it would have been the opposite, right? As unemployment rate goes up, maybe employers 
are, are in a more powerful position over candidates and their employees. But that's not really panning out, at least yet, in the research that we're collecting. We did a, a very recent study in the month of May, really during the heart of the pandemic for most countries. And one of the most impactful drivers of the employee experience was whether the organization that they work for listened to them. They listened and also communicated back and, and took action on what they said. So that so was tended to be a key ingredient, at least from the employee's perspectives, of what was important to them uh, during this time. So there's absolutely you know, power in listening. And when we do that, when we listen to people, then we're we are able to accomplish something together, right? Just like a personal relationship where understanding them better so that we can go accomplish something that's mutually beneficial for the employee, but also for the organization. That's really interesting. I, I definitely have that experience here at SAP as an employee. It's clear that listening to employees is a priority in our organization, especially this year with all the changes due to COVID. My management has been very in tune to not only what our team needs to be successful professionally, but also on a personal level, making sure we have the support we need to successfully balance work, family, and personal well-being. Mm -hmm. uh, exactly. It's a great example. And Again, we, we saw in the macro across multiple geographies, across industries, employees universally said that when their organization stopped, took time to listen to them, that it drove better attitudes among those employees. Those better attitudes translated into better performance. And so in that study, just to kind of flesh that out a bit, we found three buckets of organizations, three types of organizations, companies that generally listen to their workforce. But, in, but did not do so during the pandemic for whatever reason. We had organizations that generally listened to their workforce and did so during the pandemic. And then we were able to identify organizations that don't listen at all, and they didn't during the, the pandemic. And it was very clear difference across those, the employees of those organizations. In some cases, we, we saw 20, 30-point differences in employee engagement or uh, attitudes toward the senior leadership of the company, or personal well-being, like you mentioned, Rob, those were far higher among employees whose organizations listened to them and did so during that time of major change and crisis. So that was indeed the biggest driver of the employee experience, at least during that time of change and crisis. And I would argue that it's not just about the, you know, this is not a, just a retrospective back from the pandemic. If we think about the change and disruption that's going to happen as we transition back to normal, and it also any other future disruption that we that we run into, an acquisition, a merger, a reorganization, those are the times that we need to be listening to our employees to help inform how we should communicate and how we should uh, make decisions. But again, it's not just about that listening component. Employees made it very clear that it's also critical that the company is communicating back, here's what you told us, and here's what we're going to do about it. You know, performing that action based on what you learned from that, that feedback. Um, during the, the, the OpenSAP course on HXM, we had a lot of learner participation discussion forum and designing, shaping, and managing the employee experience, which is what I think is the actions you're talking about, was definitely a hot topic amongst the students. Oh, yeah, Rob, absolutely. I 
myself was so thrilled at how much interest we had in all of the topics. And I think what was really great was that each chapter or each you know, kind of session was like maybe 10 minutes long and they were really actionable. And that's what a lot of the comments were like, wow, this is something I can actually take back to my organization and think about or do or consider. Um, And I think that maybe, you know, the interest really stems from probably two things. I think the first is how relatable the topic of employee experience is. There are certain things in HR that only maybe HR leaders know about or do, or maybe some things that managers know or do. So not every employee has possibly, you know, participated in a mentoring program or done a calibration session, right? But every single person can relate to how their experience at work impacts, how engaged they are, how productive they are, if they intend to stay at the company, if they would recommend the company as a good place to work, right? So we can all really relate to that. And then, you know, I I do have the fortune of, of, you know, attending and presenting at a lot of HR conferences. I think that, you know, the majority of HR leaders, I you know, get to link up with are inherently inquisitive, looking for ideas, looking for actions, and really feel responsible to help shape and manage employee experiences, right? Because ultimately, it's not only the responsibility of HR, but if there is, you know, um, low levels of engagement or high levels of attrition at an organization, ultimately, people will look to HR. Yeah, Emily, uh, you nailed it. You know, I thought, even in the discussion topics, we saw a lot of that resonate on a personal level with everyone. And I think that's exactly why this is such an important topic uh, from the perspective of employees. And I think we are seeing a groundswell of organizations who are acknowledging that, that if we meet employees where they are and where they want to be and what their expectations are around the employee experience, it's going to be better for them. And it's also going to be better for the organization. So I was just thrilled to be a part of those discussion topics that you, you know, you alluded to, Rob, because even though uh, Emily and I and a lot of the other speakers were the so-and-so quote unquote teachers, we actually got, you know, I got a lot out of the discussion and the comments from the participants. Yeah, it was really good discussions out there in the discussion forum. So, Emily, what does it mean to approach work with an HXM mindset? And, and what is this concept of XM diffusion? Well, when we say that you need to approach work with an HXM mindset, um, similar to sort of what I spoke about earlier, it's really looking at things from the emotional perspective of employees. Um, you know, it's not just about, you know, putting a, a feedback survey in an HR process or, or maybe even just creating an employee experience center of excellence. It's really about leading in a different way that values, you know, operational data and concepts, right? So you, you, you know, every company reports on their production and profit, but you also want to value the, the, what we call X data, the attitudes and feelings and sentiment that you're getting from employees. And so when we think about experience management or XM, um, this cycle really has to start with a vision and a roadmap. Right. So if you are in an organization and you're going to be a change agent for XM, what is your vision for your organization? How are you going to adopt uh, XM? What is your ideal roadmap? Are there use cases that you think the organization must adopt? Is there language that you think needs to become really pervasive within your company? So, I mean, in layman's terms, that's probably best you know, encapsulated as how does the HR person get their work out to the masses? 
Um, and so the XM diffusion cycle is really fascinating. It helps people expand the behaviors and capabilities surrounding XM to people who maybe aren't natively bought into that idea, right? So it could help the HR person, you know, build a relationship with the customer experience team or with the marketing team, right? It's about, you know, talking and aligning concepts. And so at a very high level, um, you know, the concept of an XM diffusion cycle has three states. They're called infusion, absorption and recalibration. Infusion is that, you know, initial sort of intentional effort that is injecting new behaviors or new mindsets, um, you know, across the organization. So it's a very effortful tactic and it's used by, you know, the, the HR or experience management team within an organization to get started. And sort of infusion is what sets the whole cycle in motion. And then the next stage is probably the least intuitive of the stages, but probably the most important, and that's absorption. Um, this could kind of be, you know, well, thought of as like the stage where you just serve the food and everyone has to wait to jump into the pool. And then the final stage is what's called recalibration. And so this is where you look at, are you seeing increased buy-in? Are you seeing people, you know, um, want results from you or want to do things further from your infusion efforts? And it's important in any, in during the cycle to make sure that you, you know, then go back and start again with the infusion. It's something that's constantly, you know, changing and evolving and improving. Ben, one of the topics you discuss is the discipline of employee experience management. While you go into this in some depth in the OpenSAP course, what can you briefly tell us about the discipline of employee experience management? That's a really good one because on the face, the discipline of experience management is sounds very similar to human experience management. So I'll contrast the two a bit. I think that experience management is what I would consider the more foundational of the concepts. Right? We define within the Institute experience management as a discipline of using experience and operational data to manage and improve the core experiences of a business. And those experiences extend to what well, the experiences we deliver to our employees, those that we extend to our candidates, to our customers, to our future customers, potential customers, our suppliers, etc. And so XM involves frameworks, principles, and practices that help organizations measure, manage, and design experiences for those different stakeholders. Human experience management is very specific to how we apply the discipline of XM to our employees, to our workforce. So it's a little more specific and targeted. And it's critical that we compare and contrast those uh, because while we they build on each other, there are definitely important differences between the relationships that employees have with an organization and that customers have. You know, again, just to restate that, I, I'm a big believer that there's a lot of commonality in the practices and the principles that we apply to improve in the, uh, um, experiences for our customers and those for our employees, but there's also very meaningful differences that we have to acknowledge. And why is understanding the experience you are creating for your employees so important? And how do you put this understanding into action? And I, I go back to the where we were talking about the importance of listening. And I put it quite simply, if we are not listening 
to our employees or to our stakeholders, then it's very difficult, if not impossible, to know if and how we can make those experiences better. It's as simple as that. So, you know, if we are committed to improving the employee experience, if we're committed to improving the customer experience, we must understand how are those experiences that we're delivering, how, what sort of emotion is that creating? Are we allowing employees and customers to get done what they want to do? If we're not measuring it, then we're shooting in the dark. We have no idea. We have no visibility into that. But I would also argue that listening can take many different forms within a modern organization. It can happen one-to-one, right, through a, a, a formal conversation between a manager and, a, and an employee or between peers. But it also happens at scale, especially in large enterprise organizations where we have hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of employees. And our research clearly shows that it's important for organizations to have both in place. You have to do that very personal one-to-one listening, but you also need to do that listening at scale. And there are many different ways that we do uh, listening, and we go into that in the, in the course itself. One of the things you talk about is the human experience cycle. Tell us a little bit more about that and how it relates to everything we are talking about today. This is another, there's a lot of, we're talking about a lot of concepts and models today, but I think this one's really intuitive and it explains, it goes back to that term experience. Well, what is an experience and why does that even matter? Well, the human experience cycle essentially states that for every experience that we have, whether we're a a consumer, uh, an employee, a candidate, whatever, Every experience we have, we form a perception of that experience. Was it good? Was it bad? Was it neutral? Over time, we start to form a more stable attitude about whatever we had that perception about. Let's say the organization. So I'm an employee of of Qualtrics and SAP. I have multiple experiences every day. And over time, I'm going to form an attitude based on the perceptions of those many experiences. And we know from decades of research, that the attitudes that I hold about my job and my company and my work drive the way I behave. So if I'm engaged, for example, a job attitude, I'm more likely to put forth more effort. I'm more likely to go out of my way to help you, Rob, and to help you, Emily. If I'm not very engaged or I'm not satisfied or I'm not committed to my company, I'm not going to put forth as much effort. I'm going to be more likely to psychologically or physically withdraw for the work. Now, the other component of the the model also includes expectations. And so perceptions are not just formed from experiences themselves, but the expectations that we go into an experience with. If I call my cable provider, I pretty much know that's probably not going to be a great experience, right? (laughs) You know, you go into the DMV, that's probably not going to be a great experience. But, you know, I I have called my cable provider a few times recently, and the experience was fantastic. Now, that is what I would expect if I went to a luxury hotel. I would expect that. And if I got a little bit short of that extremely premier experience, my perception would be low. So experience and expectations drive perceptions. Perceptions drive attitudes. Attitudes drive behaviors. Very, very interesting. And, um, you know, everything we've been talking about just recently, we were talking about, you know, the actions you take after you understand that employee experience. But it all begins with 
listening to the employees. And I assume the two of you have, have done some research, have worked with our customers, and maybe you have identified some trends related to employee listening. Oh, yeah, I'll start with this one. Um, we've seen some absolutely some trends and really these um, it, it sometimes can vary by, you know, industry or by geography. But I would say in general, we're seeing a lot more frequent employee listening initiatives. Right. So organizations realized they have to move past only doing an annual engagement survey, for example, um, to incorporate other types of employee listening. So this, you know, it really includes key listening moments that are falling outside of those, you know, very traditional engagement and life cycle moments. So they're listening on topics such as well-being, right, or work-life balance, um, corporate responsibility, ethics, ability to, you know, be successful with remote work, things like that. Um, I'm also seeing an increased focus on the manager as a driver of employee experience. So I said earlier, you know, HR ultimately, you know, gets looked at if you're having an attrition problem, but managers and leaders really significantly influence how resilient we can be, how ready we are for change and how we cope with that change, especially in a time like this year where there's been a lot of disruption and, you know, we obviously everyone's had to, you know, pivot to the quote unquote new normal. And so I think the role of the manager has been key um, probably unsurprisingly, we're seeing an increased focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, which I actually think is fantastic that this is coming to the forefront. And then I think that maybe the final one would be really an increased need for listening as workforces are remaining remote for, you know, the foreseeable future for a little while longer. And at the same time, you've got the frontline workers who are navigating like a lot of uncertainty and are possibly putting their health at risk or being overworked, right? So this really highlights the fact that organizations are needing new types of ongoing listening programs. So they need to understand employees' sentiments, fears, um, and thoughts around, you know, health and safety, um, around remote work, um, you know, doing ongoing pulses, right? Especially when you think about bringing people back to a physical work location and then monitoring how things are changing over time. I think all three of us know whether it's affecting us or someone else employees right now are up against so many challenging scenarios. They might have a childcare issue. They might have remote learning that they're trying to work on at their house while they're also on their Zoom calls for work all day. People have health concerns, you know, remote work technology problems, perhaps, you know, elders in their life that they can't see. So, you know, I think in general, these are the trends that, that I'm seeing. Do these resonate with you, Ben? Uh, those are extremely well aligned with some of the the research that we've done. You know, I alluded to that work workforce resiliency study, and I talked about how listening was the biggest driver. And you pointed that out, Emily. I think some of the other things you mentioned, the role of the leader, the role of senior leadership communication, those are other driver, significant drivers of the employee experience during that heart of the pandemic, during that major crisis. You talked about different types of listening, and this is something that I observed as well, where many, frankly, the most successful organizations in pivoting during that March, April, May, June, July timeframe shifted their traditional listening strategy to something that was more operational. Do you have what you need to get your job done in this new virtual work environment? 
for those who move to remote work, right? M- moving to always on listening. There was a bank I consulted with as they started opening up their retail branches. They acknowledged that employees and customers were very concerned about health and safety as they opened up those retail branches. And so what they did very wisely was they opened up always on listening and they allowed employees to say, hey, look, I have a coworker that came in, maybe showing some symptoms, making me feel uncomfortable, coworker or customer refusing to wear a mask, refusing to wash their hands. I want to raise this issue, but I I don't necessarily feel comfortable going directly to that person. Those sorts of issues cannot wait till the next pulse survey, right? They can't wait to that next annual survey. Those have to get addressed immediately. And so that's just one example. Uh, you, you know, Emily, you talked about um, emerging employee personas, people with health health issues. This is also something we're hearing from our the organizations that I've been working with is like all of a sudden we have these new employee personas that have emerged. You have people who have are high risk for health issues, of course, especially when we talk about going back into the workplace. But one of the interesting findings, and this was an SAP finding was some of the most at-risk employees were single, were living alone, at risk for social isolation. Those are employee personas that we may not have been aware of in the past or, or, or weren't salient to our work. So yeah, I mean, to answer your question directly, Amelia, those absolutely resonate. We've seen the same things and we've seen a lot of the same research emerge uh, from our formal work. Yeah, I actually have also, that that actually kind of jogs my memory. I recently did a webinar with um, an automotive supplier and I was with their VP of talent and it was so interesting. He was saying that their leadership was assuming that people were hesitant to return to the offices because, you know, they had increased caregiving responsibilities at home. That's what they assumed. They thought, okay, people are not going to want to come back because, you know, their kids are, you know, remote learning. Um, And it was only through pulsing their workforce that Sure, that was a concern for many of their employees, but it was not the primary concern. The primary concern was that they actually didn't feel like the company had done enough to ensure a safe workplace, to ensure there was, you know, physical distancing, to ensure there were masks, ensure there was hand sanitizer, when in fact, they had actually done so much to ensure a safe return. And they had all these new policies in place, like, you know, from hand washing to plexiglass to masks to limiting the number of people that were there. And this I thought was interesting. They even had, a um, after someone would come into the office, they were meant to leave an orange construction cone by the door, which instructs the cleaning people to do a very thorough um, cleaning of that area that someone had been in the office that day. And so they realized, wow, we just need to better communicate that. Our, our employees will actually feel comfortable once they learn about all we've done. That's surprising that they didn't know what the real concerns were. Yeah, on the face it is, Rob, but I would say after talking with many of the the leaders, we we have to acknowledge that in HR and in leadership, we have different visibility into workplace policies, the rationale behind those decisions than do a lot of our frontline workers. You know, we saw, again, this was another finding we saw in our workforce resiliency study was that employees who are higher level, higher levels of leadership had more positive perceptions about workplace safety, significantly 
higher perceptions of workplace safety than did individual contributors, trainees, and interns, primarily because trainees and interns were on-site workers for the most part. There is a perception gap there. And it's also because we oftentimes make decisions based on operational data only. That's how we're used to making decisions in organizations. We look at turnover data. We look at performance data. We look at call resolution data. We're less, I wouldn't say this is a universal statement, but a lot of organizations are not used to looking at experience data. But if we remember that definition of experience management, it requires both. It requires experience data and operational data. And we saw some really impressive examples of organizations who leverage that. We had another auto manufacturer that we worked with who put together a listening strategy. They called it Ask, Listen, Observe. And it was very simple. Ask was the surveys that proactively go out from the company to employees. Listen was some of the more passive listening that they did, scraping internal social media to find out at, you know, anonymously, what are people talking about? How do they feel about it? And observe is that operational data component, continuing to look at performance, continuing to look at pref- what do people actually do and choose? And one way that they do the listening and the asking better, is they did things like s- simply asking open-ended questions, taking the data and not just looking at averages, but looking at different personas that we talked about, looking at the data from many angles, the text analysis, the passive listening, the active listening, the driver analysis, looking at all of those things in combination to inform decision-making about what we need to go do and what employees, what's top of mind for employees, as opposed to making assumptions about it. And then ultimately, using all of that to tailor the approach. And that goes way back to what you started with, Emily, that that's really what HXM is about, is how do we make these experiences more personal and ultimately more effective for employees and for the organization. This conversation has been really enlightening about human experience management. Um, And besides the OpenSAP course that we had on HXM, where can our listeners learn more about human experience management? Well, we've recently um, had a couple of virtual events, and they were a fantastic opportunity to hear from other organizations about their approach to employee listening or their approach to HR in general and HXM. And so I would probably recommend um, listening in on some of the Success Connect virtual sessions, as well as the Qualtrics Work Different sessions, um, which are all online. So I'm assuming you can provide those links. And, you know, SAP Success Factors LinkedIn page, we have a lot of LinkedIn live sessions as well. And I keep tuning into them and we get so many incredible insights from our, you know, CHROs and directors of HR and VPs of talent. You know, our customers are doing some really incredible things out there, especially, you know, this year, the way that they're pivoting their programs to support their employees. So that would be my recommendation. Yeah, and I would add, the XMInstitute.com. And what's great about the XMInstitute.com is it's a bunch of free research for, you know, really anyone. You don't have to be an SAP or Qualtrics customer to access it. It goes into detail into those foundational concepts like experience management. What does that mean? What capabilities does it afford an organization? But I think more importantly, it goes into very specific practices. How do you apply that 
How does it differ on what you're doing today? How do you take that annual survey, for example, and transition your organization to a more agile approach? How do you design experiences that create positive emotions and, and digitize them? Right. Those are those are really practical questions that you, you we could you could find resources and tools for on the XMInstitute.com. All good to know. We'll be sure to uh, put the details about these additional resources in our show notes for our listeners to easily find. So finally, I want to ask you if you guys could summarize some key takeaways for our audience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the the ultimate takeaway for me is experience management, HXM. What it essentially tells us is that when organizations try to make people's lives easier and more positive, they also perform better, right? It's to an organization's benefit to treat their customers better, to improve the experiences of their employees. And when you think about it, that's very comforting. You know, imagine if the opposite was true, right? That would, that would be disastrous for, for all of us as consumers and employees. So as organizations begin to advance, in their application of human experience management, others will inevitably get left behind. Companies who are slower to adopt or fail to buy into this, they are only looking at the short-term business gain or short-term wins and losses, for example. That will absolutely come back to haunt them. They will get left behind. Candidates, employees, customers will begin to form expectations for how organizations meet their needs. And those that neglect human experience management are, are, are going to be racing to the bottom. Yeah, Ben, I could not agree more. I think that the role of HR has never been more important than what we've seen this year, right? So, you know, HR is really the ear to employees' concerns. And so they're key to really driving those ongoing improvements. And, you know, these are really critical Business leaders are continually adjusting their plans and employees are uncertain of their future. And I think HR really plays that pivotal role in between. Fantastic discussion. Emily, Ben, I want to thank you very much for participating in this podcast. I also want to thank you for serving as instructors for the OpenSAP course on, on human experience management. It was a real pleasure partnering with you both this year, and I hope we do so again sometime soon. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks to you, Rob, for sure. Thank you for listening to OpenSAP Invites. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share, rate, and leave a review. Also, be sure to check out OpenSAP's free learning offering of massive open online courses, microlearnings, and podcasts on open.sap.com.